Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We're super excited about our lesson today. We have got to jump in or we'll be here until March. <laughs> right? There's so much stuff about this one. This, one. this is one of our favorite spots in the scripture. And I listen, we've said that six out of the 10 lessons so far, but for real, <laughs> like there's no line. Yeah, this is going to be one of your favorites for sure. Yeah, you can't wait um, because we have so much talk in our uh, in our faith tradition about Israel and the house of Israel and the children of Israel. And, and that's just like a, it's a main part of our speech and like vocabulary and culture. And this is where it all gets introduced. So you really get a good sense of that. So the sticker for this week is this, there's going to be another part that comes back later in a later lesson that you're going to fill in the middle. But for today it is the names of all the different sons of Jacob or sons of Israel or tribes of Israel. And we're going to introduce them today. Yeah, we're going to so, meet the boys today. So you're going to be so happy to meet the boys. Yeah. Um, but so that's what that is. We're so, not going to get to that part for a minute, but you'll just remember to put that in. Okay. Last time, um, go watch last week's video, but we'll give you a little <laughs> catch up just in case you're like, I just can't, I can't do it. Um, we started introducing the story of Jacob today. We've been through the story of Abraham. We've been through the story of his son, Isaac. And now we're looking at the story of Abraham's grandson, Isaac's son, Jacob. And last week, we kind of introduced the beginning of his story. And, and you'll remember it was on this circle. Yeah. So right. we've got this big circle that's so evenly drawn on the board <laughs> and not on your journal. But but this one's better. Yeah, this, this one is better. This page is better. And I was just... It's symbolic, you know, because like the story comes full circle <laughs> in this lesson. So it's really symbolic. That's why it's drawn a little bit better. Good but one. just Good as one. a kind of a, a recap, we met him and remember he's born with a twin. whose name is Esau and um, Esau was the older son, which means under the like tradition of the day, he should have been the birthright son. Um, but Jacob kind of wanted to be it, it seems like. Or, well, or and wait, some, let's oh, talk about the Rachel. Thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Rachel gets promised that Jacob will be that um, birthright son when she's pregnant with the boys in her belly. And she knows that is the promise and probably told Isaac, this is the promise. Yeah. And Jacob comes out right at the get-go, remember, grabbed onto Esau's heel. And it's almost from the very beginning, like he is going to make sure that happens somehow. So we gave you a name for Jacob. Jacob can mean a lot of different things. One of them is deceiver. And that's kind of what we focused on last time. Another meaning of the name Jacob that we really want to focus on today is supplanter. And that word supplant is to go around or to circumvent, um, to try another way. And that's interesting in his story because one of the things in the circle that we tried to show with the circle is the outside of the circle versus the inside of the circle. The outside being um, Jacob or any of us, like trying to get God's blessings our own ways. God has a great life and promises in store for every single one of us. But sometimes 
we just try to claim them in our own ways, in our own styles, instead of his way. And we love that way. phrase from Alfred Adersheim last week that talked about Jacob wanted to go before God. He, he was going to fix it. He was going to figure it out. He would just take care of it. And we're going to learn how maybe it's better to go with God instead. So the outside is every time Jacob makes a choice on his own, the inside is going to be God working in Jacob's life and anything that is on the line, which you're going to see a couple of times, there's something happening on the line of the circle. Those are going to be the moments where you're going to feel a little bit of that wrestle of God trying to invite Jacob into doing life with him and Jacob still a little bit wrestling with doing things his own way. And we love that we get to watch Somebody actually show us what it looks like for God to prevail in a life and and to show us that it's messy and that it was tricky yeah, to figure yeah. out. That's kind of what we're going to watch today. Yeah, it's neat that you see like and, and once it goes kind of the inside of the circle that it comes out again and then goes in again. And it's just it's uh, he's this is a re- a real person who just reflects like you read this story and you see yourself in the story, right? Where you're just like, oh, that's yeah. me. Some days I wake up on the outside of the circle. Yes. I want to do this my way. And some days I'm like, oh, I, okay, I want to give it over to you. And why is that such a struggle and wrestle? So well, this, these were the last time stories where that birthright, where he, he, he buys or he buys the birthright from his brother, right? It takes advantage of him when he's a little bit hungry. And, and he's like, let me buy it from you. And, and remember when he, he dresses up as his brother and, and lies to their dad. And, and pretends they're blind. Old dad, this is the double <laughs> sin. You cannot lie to old blind people, uh, you know, to, to receive that blessing. Um, but then there's that really sweet moment that you see where Esau comes in and he says, is there not a blessing for me? And even though Jacob and, and Rachel were kind of being deceitful, he still was given that blessing and it wasn't retracted. And even though Esau wasn't the birthright son and kind of despised his birthright, God still gives him the same blessing. So you can see that even in the struggle and in the wrestle and in the deceiving and the supplanting and and the backstab, everything that's going on, that God is still blessing them and Mm. he's still involved with them. So that's kind of like where we're going to start is in that point right now today. Okay, so you might want to open up to Genesis 28. That's where we're going to dive in. This happens right after that birthright blessing. This happens right immediately after that. And Isaac calls Jacob and he blesses him and he charges him and says, you cannot take a wife from this land of Canaan, but you're going to go back and you're going to take a wife from the daughters of Laban, who is your mother's brother. And I love that in verse three, he gives him this blessing that finally hints of that Abrahamic blessing. You just, you start getting the hint. It's almost as if Isaac is like, okay, this is the way it's supposed to be. And here is going to come this birthright blessing and charge that has been given to Abraham and then to Isaac and now to Jacob. And almost like it makes me think of like any time that we are given any of the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they're conditional upon like, mm. here are the blessings you can claim. These are the ones that are available to you. They are here for you to claim. And it's and it's neat that yeah. right after he deceives him, he still says, you don't have to follow this route. 
you can be this, yes. you know? Yeah, and I love that thought because as we study these Abrahamic blessings or this covenant, it is actually something we are going to um, have to live up to or be obedient to in order for that blessing to be made manifest in our life. It's almost like we, we need to live a life worthy of that blessing. And we're going to watch what does that actually look like to obtain it. So in verse three, he says, and God almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee. Right? So there it is. There comes this covenant blessing that is going to be passed on through Jacob. And then he's going to send him on his way. And Jacob is going to obey his mother and his father. It tells us in verse seven. And, and that word obedience, that obeying, that is part of this living the covenant path. And I think it's so important to see, we watch it get set out right here. Um, and, and it's that word that moves us into the inside of the circle, yep. right? It's that idea of that we get to of God prevailing in our lives. It's just like, Oh, how does that happen? Like, it's simple obedience. Yeah. Um, in verse eight, we find that Esau is going to take one of the daughters of Canaan. So they're, they're both going to start out on these separate journeys. By the end of today, we're going to bring them both back together again. So you're going to want to be watching for that. But we start out with this separate journey and Jacob leaves to go. And we love this story. This <laughs> chapter 28 story is one of our favorite stories. Every time I teach it, I just love to think about this. Any of you who have young single adult sons who have ever planned a trip by themselves to go on a trip, I just, I get such a kick out of watching Jacob and we have no idea how old he is, but him just starting off on this journey um, and, and you just feel like he's by himself and we don't know whether he was or not what he had with him. We don't know anything, but in 28, it is just this personal moment with Jacob that we are going to watch. And as you think about that, he's going to travel, some Bible scholars say, up to 550 miles. That is the journey that he sets out on, on that day. And he's going to go. And then I love in verse 11, and this is the part that I just get such a kick out of, because it tells us, and he lighted upon a certain place and he tarried there all night because the sun was set. Not because he had planned that's where he would go. Not, not any reason like that, but he just was like, well, it looks like the sun is setting. I guess I'll sleep yeah. here. And then you find and out. And it's fun that it's called like a certain place, which means it's not even named on the map. Yes. Like he didn't even make it to like a city. Like just like, oh, okay. And I guess I'll sleep here, he says. And then he takes up the stones of that place for his pillow and he just lays down. It feels like in the dirt to sleep, right? It's like <laughs> every one of my boys has had this moment and he lays down and he's going to have this dream. And the dream is something that you've heard a lot in gospel doctrine. We're actually not going to focus a ton on that dream, but he has this dream about this ladder that's set up on the earth and the top of it is reaching to heaven and the angels of God are ascending and descending on it. And then in verse 13, it says, and behold, the Lord stood above it. And if you'll just check your footnote right there next to the word above, and you'll just read right there in the bottom. I love the translation in the bottom because it says, and the Lord stood beside him. 
in that place. So here is this ladder. Here's these angels going up and down. Here is all this work going on. You've got, I just want to call him a kid. You've got Jacob just laying in the dirt with a rock for his pillow. He's dreaming and, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up in that place where he is, right? He, he shows up for this conversation. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And what I love about this is it's almost as if he's like, Jacob, do you see where you have gotten yourself to this piece of dirt and this pillow that you're lying on this, right? I'm about to bless this place. I'm capable of blessing this place where you have somehow lighted upon. I, I'm going to meet you in this place and I'm going to bless it for you. And I love just thinking about in our own stories, how often do we get ourselves to a place just by happenstance? We get there and, and we maybe don't have what we need and, and we maybe haven't done the best planning. And I love the thought that the Lord will just show up in that place and say, you see this place you've gotten yourself to? I plan to bless it. I'm going to bless this place and, for you. And even if it's a place that we got to through deceit or through doing mm. things our own way or like through mistake, you know, where, however we came to this particular place that we are, because uh, he really is kind of rock bottom. Yeah. No, I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> it's not a dad joke. I'm just like, right. He's just like, you're sleeping on rocks for pillows. Like you've got like, and it's kind of your fault. You know, yeah. like you're the one who kind of got yourself here a little yeah. bit, but still I w I'm going to bless this place. And I love the blessing that we see in 15. And this is one of the blessings you are going to want to add to your promises of covenant Israel. And write it in gold pen. Yes. Cause Marker. it's one of your yeah. favorite promises to covenant Israel. Um, in verse 15, he says, behold, I am with thee. And I will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest. And I will bring you again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And I just love, like in my mind, it is this five finger promise that he gets. I am with you. I'm going to keep you wherever you go. I, I will keep you. I will protect you. I will guide you. I will bring you back to this place. I will not leave you. I will do everything I promised you. I just, I love that five finger promise that he has as he enters into this story. And then in verse 16, we are going to see the first moment that um, Jacob actually comes inside the circle. And I love this line so much. He says, Jacob awoke from his sleep and he kind of looks around. And then he says, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And I love that, like, it's almost as if he wakes up and he sits up and then he's like, wait, has the Lord been here all along? And I just didn't know. Has he been promising me this all along? And I just, I haven't recognized it. I didn't see him here. I didn't believe he was real or I didn't believe he was able. And it is the first moment that Jacob actually grasps hold of the Lord is actually wants to be in my life. He will meet me in this place and he is able to fulfill his promise to me. And I wonder if we all have moments like that, that moment where you're like, and then 
um, God showed up in my story. And, and I remember that moment. And, and to be surprised by it too. You know, you wonder if he is like, I, I, I didn't even know that he would come to a place like this. We actually were sharing this story once when we went and taught um, Sunday school in, in, a, in the prison. And we were sharing the story of this very chapter, sharing it. And, uh, and we talked about that surprise that Jacob has where he's just like, I, I didn't know that I was going to find God here. I didn't think God would come to someone like me. I'm a supplanter. I'm a, you know, I, I'm a deceiver. I, I kind of deserved this or whatever. But even in his rock bottom place, in that nameless place, you know, God came to him where he was as he was, and he brought ladders and he brought angels and he brought promises and blessings. That's what he mm-hmm. came to him with in that right there. And we were saying this, and there was this man at the back of the room who just raised mm-hmm. his hand and he just had tears coming down his cheek um, because we'd said he didn't think that God would meet him in that place. And then he said, that's what I thought about this place too. Um, I didn't think God would meet me here, but, but he does you know, and, uh, it's, it's sweet to think. Mm-hmm. And then he takes, it says in 18, he takes the pill, the stones that had been for his pillows and he sets them up for a pillar, which don't you love the I've thought of that? Never noticed that until right now, yeah. but just like the stones of my mistakes have now become the stones of my worship, you know, like, yes. the, like God took what I gave, what I, you know, yes, where, I, I, was. Gave, where I was and he yeah. turned it into something more and then he names that place in verse 19 Bethel which means the house of God um and 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 it becomes a holy place for him um which is just awesome yeah and i love that for me like in my scriptures in verse 20 so he names it Bethel that's going to become the the house of God or i like to think the place where God was and then in verse 20 you might want to circle this word because you would think after an experience like that, that he, his heart would have been one. He would have been like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I am in this now and I know what I'm doing. But I love in verse 20 when it says, and Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house, um, then... And then I will surely give a tenth unto thee. And I love that we still see Jacob's personality under there, that he's just like, well, if he really does show up, then. And give me you know, food and yes, clothes. And, and all and, stuff. Yeah. That you just love that he's like, I'll try, I'll try it. I'm willing to try, but you yeah. just feel that hesitation. And I wrote in my scriptures, this becomes the beginning of Jacob's wrestle right here in 20. It's like the first time he was like, should I let God in my life? And now we're going to watch this story go forward. 29 starts with the words, then Jacob went on his journey, right? So he had this great experience on uh, Sunday evening and then now it's Monday (laughs) and he's just on the journey again and he gets to a, he gets to a well and he meets a girl there. Everyone always meets the girls at the wells. Like that's just the place. If you need advice. Okay. (laughs) Should we start building wells? Yeah. Swig. It's swig Uh today. That's where (laughs) it's a drive-through. They should make it so you can go inside. Then we could have, 
more marriages marriages happen there. But he goes and he meets this girl. Her name is Rachel. And um, he kisses her on the first date. uh, (laughs) Wants to marry her right away. If you're from Provo, you're familiar with this kind of thing. Um, And he's just just loves her right away and wants wants to marry her. Um, goes and meets her family. It's the family that they're, that his parents sent him on to. And so it's perfect. It's they're you know, this is going to be all set up and everything. And then you get introduced to, um, the fact that Rachel has a sister. Her name is Leah. That's in verse 16. The Laban, the dad had two daughters. The older one was Leah and the younger one was Rachel. Then you get this description that just like breaks your heart a little bit. 17, it says Leah was tender eyed. But Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Beautiful and well-favored is the Hebrew way of just saying really nicely put together. Um, <laughs> and the opposite of it is tender-eyed, you know? And some scholars have written, maybe she had like a kind of a twitchy eye or something, but... I just love to think maybe it just means she was quieter and um, a little bit softer. That's and... really nice of you to think. Um, but <laughs> because usually things are set up in opposites... It might mean that Rachel was beautiful, but Leah was a little tender on the eyeball. (laughs) Just a little tender to the eyeball. But Jacob loved Rachel. And back then you gave a, you gave a, what's it called? A dowry, like a gift to the family when you married and, and, and they're negotiating this. How much will you pay for Rachel to be your wife? And Jacob's like, I'll work seven years, which is unheard of, right? Three, maybe four will trend on Twitter. Seven. He's just like seven. I want se- I'll work seven years for it. And the dad's like done. <laughs> this boy is lovesick and I'm going to take <laughs> advantage of him. And they sign the contract. He works seven years. It gets to the wedding night. Um, and then when he goes into the honeymoon tent with Rachel, wakes up the next morning and it is Leah. That's what it says. And behold, it was Leah, okay, tender to the eye. And he realizes that the father-in-law made a switcheroo. Back then, there's no lights. and stuff. It's all candles and stuff like that. And the bride wears a veil in case you're like, how in the world, you know? And, and he comes out and he's just irate, as you can imagine. He's like, I can't believe you did this to me. And, and then Laban says something really interesting to him. He just said, essentially says this, oh, in our country, in our country, the older kid gets the blessing before the younger kid, you know? And if you remember Jacob's past, it's kind of like, oh, okay. And then he kind of says essentially this, like, oh, are, are you mad that I dressed up one of my kids to trick you? You know, and remember Jacob dressed <laughs> up to trick his own dad. And so he's kind of like, <gasps> and this is a moment when Jacob learns what it feels like to be deceived, to get a taste of his own medicine a little bit. And he's kind of like, okay, whoa, you got me, right? And he says, I want you to work another seven years for Rachel. Then you can finally have Rachel. And the father-in-law is just a swindler, kind of like Jacob's been, you know? So it's kind of like you fit. they're going to get along really yes. well. And you love that thought that the, dece- the deceiver actually finds out what it is to be deceived Yeah. in that moment. Like he knows, now he knows how it feels. And he watched exactly what he had done, that um, circumventing, or I love the, the line that he found a way around. And all of a sudden, Jacob is going to experience that. And, and maybe it's going to change his perspective a little bit. And you know, what he's thinking. And and you'll see, we're not going to go into these stories as you get into where it says father-in-law, 
P.S. You want to change where it says chapter 30, verse 7 to 31, verse 7. You're going to see a back and forth between the father-in-law and Jacob. Like that's not going <laughs> to, you're going to see God bless Jacob. Then you're going to see the father-in-law try and like trick. You're just, you're just going to keep seeing this go on. And you see it also with Jacob's wives, the mm-hmm. two sisters. And of course you do. Imagine being tender-eyed Leah and you always grew up with this younger sister who was prettier than you your whole life. And then they get married and Rachel is barren, can't have kids, but Leah can. And there's a struggle between them about that too. And then and- we're going to watch all the boys be born. And and six will come from Leah. And then um, Rachel's handmaid will have two. And Leah's handmaid will have two. And then... Rachel will have one at the end. Two. Two at the end. And the one thing that you want to watch for is their names. Um, We've told you before in the Old Testament, names are really important. And they are going to mean something along the way. And in the footnotes of your scriptures, each of their names is going to have this meaning. And it's kind of interesting to watch what Leah names her kids. and, And we're allowed to almost see her struggle by what she's naming her children and the same for Rachel. You're going to watch these two women through the names of these boys. You are going to be able to watch their wrestle, kind of their struggle in this part of the journey. So don't miss that part in the footnotes because it's so good. Yeah. And, and do we want to just tell just the end of 29 is just an example of where you can see this, where you see this struggle with Leah who feels hated by her husband, you know, and, and God still coming in in verse 31 to bless, you know, that the struggle's happening. But once again, here's God coming in to bless. She has a baby. She names his, his name Reuben, which means look, a son. And she's just like, now my husband will love me because I gave him a son. And then and she has another one. And because she was hated, that's why it's almost as if mm-hmm. she's just like, oh, if I have kids for him, then maybe he'll yeah. like me. And this one's Simeon, which means to be heard. She's like, maybe now he'll hear me. And Levi is her third son, which means to come together or to be joined as one. He's like, maybe now my husband will join together with me because I've had this third son and it's almost as if like it's not working you having you know these kids are doing these things to try and like win none of them are working and it's almost if she learns the lesson first because then in 35 it's nothing Mm -hmm. about Jacob anymore and she just says this has this fourth son and she says now I will praise the Lord And and you love that his name is Judah that's the fourth son's name and we know who will come out of Judah is Jesus. That's who will come out of Judah. And I love that you almost feel like she has settled into that relationship. And that is what will bring her praise and celebration. Right. Like Jacob or like anybody else. She's just like, I was trying to find happiness by through my relationship with my husband, through being the better wife, through being the whatever. And then finally, somewhere in between three and four, she's just like, actually... I'm going to find my happiness in praising God. And that's what she names that fourth yeah, baby. It's so good. Then when we get to chapter 31 and now Jacob is going to get this call from the Lord to go back home. That's what he is supposed to do. He has his wife's, he has his sons, and now he's going to get this call to go back. And he decides um, because he and his father-in-law just have never quite mended 
fences, right? There is just this yeah. constant yeah. battle. So he decides to leave in the middle of the night without telling anyone. He's just going to take off and go. And as they get ready to go, a lot of things happen that play into this story. But um, in 32.9, we're, we're going to read the part that um, he's going to take all of this stuff and leave. I actually, I want to go to 31 for a second before we go to 32, because this is where um, it tells us in verse two that Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban and behold, it was not towards him. <laughs> He's like, I better leave. And um, so he says in verse five, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my power, I have served your father and your father has deceived me. He tells him. And so he, he kind of has this moment and then he decides he's going to get up and he is going to leave. Um, also, meantime, you find out one thing about Rachel that we've got at the bottom of the journal. Oh, yeah. Because when they get ready to go, you have that lesson from Leah that's so important that almost feels like with Judah that she has come to know the Lord. And when they leave, Rachel actually takes all the idols of her father to go with her. So you still can kind of feel this struggle, this wrestle taking place within each of them as they're wrestling with God. And they almost like, I've never thought of this before where she's just like, because she was barren, remember to have children mm. is, the, is the favor, a sign of God's blessing. And, and it's almost like, well, if the Lord won't give it to me. Maybe I'll find it another way again. Like you, you just keep yeah, seeing you see that her wrestling idea, right. still for a little bit. Um, and then they leave and Laban finally catches up to them. And there is this moment in 31 verse 48 where they come together and they a little bit resolve their differences there. And they, they kind of set up this pile of rocks that is going to become this witness that they have resolved this, but that Jacob is still going to go his way and Laban is going to stay where he is and, and they just are going to go forward from there. And I love this blessing in 49 or this promise. Um, it says, and mitzpah for, he said, the Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent one from another. And I just love the thought of that promise that the, the Lord watch you and the Lord make sure you're doing what you said you would do. And, um, you know, and, and also care for you, I feel like. And the same for Laban, the Lord watch you and make sure you do what you promised you were going to do, but also just be over you and your family. And, and that's how they separate. And I love that what we are going to watch in 31 and 32 is this reconciliation that is going to start taking place, right? First with Laban, but second with Esau. And this is one of my favorite parts of the story. So Jacob gets ready to go. He's so nervous to go back. He's so nervous to see Esau because he's worried about that animosity that they left with. That was, remember, that no one was happy the well, night it, it was a Jacob threat. left. Like, he's like, I'm going to kill him. Yes. Next time I see him, <laughs> yes. I'm going to kill him. And now he's like, it's been decades yeah. yes. and it's like time yeah. to go back. And I've got to go back because God told me to. So in um, on your circle, on the inside of the circle, you're going to see um, chapter 32, verse 9. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord, right, my God too, the Lord who said to me, return unto thy country and unto thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. And um, you love that he, as he goes through this part, starts thinking through what is that return going to look like. 
And 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 do ten. Uh, I am. Too. It's okay. one of my oh, favorite okay. parts. <laughs> I love that in verse ten he says, "I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies, and of all the truth which you have showed unto your servant." And I love that thought that he finally realizes God is greater than he is. And looking back over all those years since the day he left, that he's just like, I- "I'm actually, when I look back, at everything not worthy of all of the mercy." that you've given me and, and the truth that I have learned about who you are. And it's not like those last years have been easy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like he was just, once he left on that journey from his dad and had Bethel and set up that pillar of rocks, it wasn't like, and from that day forward, he was the golden child. That is not what happened. Mm -hmm. But I love that he can look back and say, but I actually see God's mercy everywhere in this part of my story. And then in 11, well, and how different it is, how opposite, I guess, of it is when he left, remember, Mm -hmm. he's like, if God blesses me and is good to me, then then he will be my Lord and my God. And then now he's in this place where he's just like, I'm actually not worthy of any that he gives me. Like I, I, you know, you just just start seeing that shift that is going to happen. We're going to talk about in a minute. And then in 11, he is going to finally rely upon God, right? He's scared to go back. He is fearful of what Esau is going to do. And instead of finding his own way around that, instead of being the supplanter or circumventing what's about to happen, he prays. He, He finally relies upon God. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hands of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. And in verse 12, thou said, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for a multitude. And he, it's like he finally believes that blessing and that God is able also to accomplish it. And you love that that's how he's going to go back. And so he decides he's going to go with a present for his brother or an offering. Um, On my two places right here inside the circle, in 32.9, I just wrote, God told me to return and and I'm going to rely on that. That's the first thing, which was so not his nature, but is now. These are under Esau. This is so his return to Esau. The first is God told me to return and I'm, and I am going to. And second of all, instead of trying to find a way around or circumvent that, I love that what he feels inspired to do is to bring an offering into that situation. And so he is going to get that offering ready and then he's going to start. And opposite of last time he was with Esau, he was taking from him. Yes. And now he's coming with, with giving. With offering. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. It, and his heart is so different. And then the night before he is going to go back, right? The night before he re-enters that story, um, he has this experience with the Lord that we love. Yeah. It starts in 24. And it's, it, it's interesting that this part starts with, and Jacob was left alone. And, it, and, and there's so many times when, you know, you could just be busy, busy, busy in your life and you don't have a chance to really like internalize, like, what's my relationship with God right now? Like, how are things going? Like, come face to face with who I'm becoming and, and all these kind of things. It's interesting that it starts with aloneness. Yes. And then he's just like, and there he wrestled. And you find out that this is a holy wrestle mm-hmm. later. It's it's hard in the language of the Bible to know who is it that he's, is it a physical wrestle? Is it, what is it? But he's wrestling and it's a spiritual type of, of wrestle. And, and, and he has this wrestle with this angel and, and, and they wrestle all through the night. 
And in 26, he says to the angel, he says, I'm not going to let you go and, <laughs> until you bless me, you know? And there's something about that that's like so desperate and sweet at the same time. Well, you know? and, and I love the expectation. Like I love, he is trying so hard to believe in God and that he's going to be in his life that I love that he has that expectation of the fulfillment of a promise. Yeah. And then there's this question in 27 mm. where he says, the angel says, what is your name? And, and last time you heard someone ask him, what is your name? It was his dad. And his answer was, oh, I'm Esau, you know, in the middle of his supplanting and circumventing and deceiving. And this time in 27, he says, uh, I'm Jacob, you know, I'm the supplanter. I, I'm the kid who keeps going back to my own ways. Like I, I I'm, I'm, Almost like he just owns up as this is who I am. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. And then the angel says something so awesome in 28. And he says, from now on, your name will not be Jacob anymore. You are not the supplanter anymore. But from now on, your name will be Israel. And for as a prince, thou hast power with God Mm -hmm. and hast prevailed, which is what that name Israel means. One who prevails with God. God, one who is triumphant with God is another way to, to say that. And it's, it's sweet because he really has ha- learned to hand it over to God. Mm. And that's why he's going to triumph. That's why he's going to prevail. It's like, it's almost like he renames him as grace, but grace is a girl name. So he's <laughs> like, I will call you Israel. And mm. I love being identified as the house of Israel or the house of grace as those who let God do life together with him. Mm. You know, don't do it by yourself, but together with him, you're going to prevail. And and that is how kind of how that, it's just that coming to his relationship is comes full circle right yep. there with the Lord. And then we're going to watch that relationship come full circle with his family, which we love so much. If you go into 33. Well, isn't that awesome? How the, the order of that? Yes. He reconciles together with God. And then he's like, oh, okay. Now, now I'm can, ready. I can go back into what I have to reconcile with other people. And it's so interesting because isn't that what God asks all of us to do? And sometimes we reconcile on our knees, you know, in our home or beside our bed. And and sometimes we reconcile that with um, a bishop who can help us walk through a reconciliation with God. But that we, we get to have that moment where we have that sit down with God and then we go back into our life and reconcile our life. And this part of the story is so good because Jacob goes and he, he has all of his family and he's kind of set up how they're going to go in and he has the gift and he's kind of decided how he's going to enter back into this relationship. And then listen what happens in chapter 33. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, Esau came and with him 400 men. And just imagine, right? Because Esau has 400 men. Jacob has his wife's and his Children kids and, and sheep. His sheep and like, <laughs> the, how's that going to help him out? And so he puts his handmaids and their children foremost and Leah and her children after and Rachel and Joseph are at the very end. And he passes over and he bows himself to the ground seven times until he finally gets to his brother. And then it says this in verse four, and Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. And every time I read this verse, this is what I want so bad. 
Where is Esau's story? Where is that record? Don't you wonder, like, what is the process Esau also went through before that moment when they come together that his first inclination is to run to Jacob and to fall on his neck and to kiss him and they weep and he lifts up his eyes and he says, who are these with you? And he wants to meet his family and he wants to see everyone who's with him. And then um, in verse eight, he says, what meanest thou by this, all this drove, which I met, you know, like with, with all this offering that is coming at the beginning, what, what is this? And I love when he says, these are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And there is something really important about that word grace right there, because I feel like what Jacob is saying is because I have experienced grace now I can also give grace and that's how I want you to receive me back. And I love what Esau says in nine. I have enough, my brother, keep what you have to yourself. And then Jacob says, no, no, please. I pray thee, if I have found grace in your sight, then will you please just take this offering? Because now I see you and I see God in you. And Um, I'm just so grateful that you were pleased with me. So please take this, my blessing, because God has dealt graciously with me and because, and then I love this, I have enough too. And don't you love that what happened at the beginning was two brothers who just were not content with their life or with what they had been given or how things were turning out. And, and they both tried to go against the other and take what they felt like they were owed, what they were entitled to, what was theirs. And both of them through God, it tells us, came to realize I actually have enough. In fact, I have so much I could give to you. And the other one, I have enough. And it's sweet that that gift that started as one of like, Oh, I'm going to try and, win forgiveness by giving him this gift mm-hmm. initially turns into like a, a different, a gift of love yes. instead of a bribe, you know, it yes. turns into a gift of love Ugh, now where it's like, it's Oh, so good. God gave me grace, which means I can better love you. Yes. You know? And I love in verse 12 when it says this line and he said, let us take our journey. And I love that thought of now this is going to be a journey of two brothers, right? This is going to be this journey where they are going to go um, together and, and have this experience. And what I want you to think about is, um, so at the top of this circle, we have Jacob and a line, and you might want to write supplanter there or circumvents or finds a way around, but and I want is right there, right? That's what Jacob wanted. That's what led every decision he made. It's what motivated every action is I want to go before God and I'm going to figure this out and I will take care of it. But in the end, you see Israel underneath. And next to that, I just wrote prevail with God or triumphant with God. That's what he wanted. Now, I I just want to prevail with God. And there's three actions that we learn from um, this chapter 33. And the first one is in 33, nine and 11. Um, what does it look like to let God prevail in your life? Well, the first thing is to come to a place where you realize I have enough because of God. Mm. I have enough. 
And because of that, I can deal graciously with people. The second thing we learn in verse 14, and I love this, um, that he says, I'm going to go, um, in verse 14 and I will lead on softly. He says, I'm just going to go as fast as my kids can endure. So you go on ahead, but I, I will lead on softly. And that's the second thing I wrote down is that is how we would enter in is, is just to be someone who comes in and says, this is how my leadership looks like. This is what it looks like when I'm in charge of a situation, I, I will lead softly and I will go as fast as the slowest person is because I'm just going to take care of everyone who I'm with. And the third thing is in 35 verse three. And, um, there is going to be this moment, um, when he's, when he's going to go back to Bethel and he's going to make this altar to God, right? He's, it's going to come full circle back to that place where he allowed God into the story. And I love when it says this in verse three, I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way that I went. And I, I, that's my third thing that the Lord will be with me. That's what it looks like for God to prevail. I have enough. I will lead softly and the Lord will be with me. And that's who Jacob becomes. And, and we want to go back to this one part of the story that we love. And it's in the wrestle. It's in chapter 32. There's that moment when the Lord says to Jacob, what, who are you? What is your name? Right. And, and he's like, let me remind you who you are. But you love this moment when Jacob says to the Lord, who are you? Yeah, what's what's your name? Remember, names are like what we can expect out of someone, what their character is like. And and he says, what's your name? And the first thing that happens is verse 29, 32, 29. He blessed him there. And then it says, Jacob says, I'm going to call this place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. And there's so many different ways to translate the name of that place. And here are a couple that are really neat to consider in the story. One is a place of divine shift. Like that was the place where, and we all have a Peniel in our life, that place where we're like, okay, God, um, I, you're, I, you get to prevail here. You get to take over, um, in my life and, and we'll have multiple of them because mm -hmm. we'll keep coming in inside and outside of that circle. And, and it's called also a place of an encounter with God where he's just recognized he came into my store. He changed me and something happened here and, and, and we'll have lots of those also, you know, that will just keep happening. I mean, and it's just, it's just, it's a powerful story of, um, this, I, I, I think about the fact that like Israel is like who he becomes, the one who lets God prevail. And Jacob's kind of like what he's called in mm -hmm. that struggling place. And yet all throughout scripture, God calls himself, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and you would think he would say, oh, I'm the God of Israel. Which he does sometimes. Yeah, he does right? say he that, does I'm sometimes. the God of Israel. But it's neat that there is times when God is saying, I'm the God of Israel, but I'm the God of Jacob too. I'm still there in the times when you're sleeping on rocks. And I'm still there when you're disagreeing with family members. And I'm still there when you're trying to take over and do things your own way. You can prevail and triumph with me. But in the meantime, I'm also the God of, of Jacob. Yeah. And as you think about these three lessons, one thing we want to pull together for you today, 
that is something that we love to think because you will hear God introduced as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob over and over again through scripture. Sometimes it's a name that is so long, we just like fly through it. Yeah, we've heard it a million times. And from this day forward, we want you to think about who is that God exactly? And let's think about Abraham first. For Abraham, God was a God who kept his promises. That's who Abraham learned, is a God who promises and a God who is able also to accomplish them. From Isaac, we learn he is a God who provides, right? He, he provides that ram in the thicket at the end of the journey. Isaac's God was a God who provides. And Jacob's God was a God of second chances and third chances and as many chances as it was going to take um, until he could prevail in Jacob's life. And, and you could say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, or you could say the God who promises, the God who provides, and the God who prevails. I love that when he says, this is who I want you to see. I, I need you to see all of these. I am Abraham's God. I make promises and keep them. I am Isaac's God. I will bring miracles in your journey. I will provide. I am Jacob's God. I will be with you, right? I will not leave you. I will um, prepare the way for you and I will bring you back to this place until I have done everything I promised I would. I will prevail. And maybe for the rest of your life, every time you see those names, you might remember those stories and then remind yourself, I believe in a God who promises who provides and who prevails. And that's the word of our week as um, Israel on the poster for this re week, just to re remember that, that that's where it can get to, mm -hmm. right? It can get to that place where, where God actually prevails. And the scripture on there is that, oh, your name's not Jacob anymore. Your, your, your new name is, is Israel. So, so okay. good. Okay. See, I told you it would be your best one. <laughs> it was a good one. <laughs> This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.